Praise the Lord, John. Praise the Lord. We coming down to the the end of our service for the last four or five days, and uh, with a friendly, grateful invitation from our Lord and Jesus Christ. We are glad to see you. Oh boy. This little light took me out. <laughs> took, took me out. Hey, you know, it's, uh, one of the things that we are here for is to serve your spiritual needs. And if you doubt it, ask one of these brothers, and they'll solve it for you. Right now, we're going to turn it over to the brother here. Amen. Amen. I'd like to uh, review the uh, subject of the evening, God's grace, his purpose. We learn to live only by the grace of God. The Bible is our guide for living. The truths taught in the Bible are for practical, everyday living. Through the Bible, we learn God's purpose and the purpose of living here on earth. And it asks the question, have you ever given thought to the purpose for which you were born or why you are living this moment? Psalms 139.4 says you are wonderfully made. This is the light that we're shining, trying to shine. It would be very easy if we were standing amidst the 1.7 million men and women in prison right now and giving this message. There would be probably 1.6 million standing up and going, Hallelujah, yes, thank you, Lord. Because the people in prison, once they get their heads sober and they look around at where they're at, they know that this is powerful. They have no doubt. I've done prison ministries, and, and once people get that alcohol and those drugs out of their veins... And they start to think about where they're at and the situations. Most of them come to the conclusion that this Bible is the true and living instrument. They also remember people who, sh- who were showed them by their example what it means to be a Christian. And they know that this is the truth. And this is what the light that we're trying to shine. And we, we shine in on a dark and vile and ugly world we sh- it, on the ca- on the college campuses the professors will tell children when we send them there this is nonsense this is fi- it's fiction uh, don't go with this you know you're a, you're just another animal you know you're a smarter intelligent animal but all in all you're just another animal music will try and tell us uh, back in the 80s, Pink, there's a group called Pink Floyd. Number one song, it says, all in all, you're just another brick in the wall. What's the message there? Don't think you're anything special. You're just another brick in the wall. Don't be thinking you're all that. And the underlying message is, you don't have a soul. You don't have a spirit. You're just another hunk of flesh walking on this earth. A group called Kansas in 1980 did another song. What's that song? 
All you are is dust in the wind. Amen. You're nothing special. You're just dust in the wind. You were born from the dust. You blow around and you go right back to where you came from. So you're nothing special at all. If you were behind those walls we talked about last night, if you were doing 20 years in solitary confinement in one of our prisons, what message would you want to have? A message that gives you life and hope and purpose? Would you rather hear, you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Or God says each one of us is a very unique individual, each of us created for a very special purpose that no one else can perform? Or would you rather hear, hey, survival of the fittest. The mighty man wins. All in all, you're just another brick in the wall. Which message would you rather hear? I know which one I'd rather hear. You know, I'd rather I'd know which one I would rather hear, and that's what the world needs to hear. That's what our young people need. They need to know when they go in colleges and people try and tell them, you know, no, no, don't believe that. You're nothing special. You're just, you know, our young people. I mean, people say, well, how can young people shoot other young people right in the face? Hey, they're all in all, they're just another brick in the wall. I can shoot the gun at the at the wall, or I can shoot it at them. There's no difference. You know, they're just another animal on this street. And that's the light that we need to shine up and down these streets. And we, we're trying to shine to the world in a dark world. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you, Father. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to assemble on this beautiful day, Lord, to enjoy your beauty in this great outdoors, Father. Lord, as we come, we remember all those one point million plus people who are incarcerated around this country father we know we have a generation father that was raised not on the on your word father but raised by songs uh songs that tell them that um uh your love makes me feel like i've been locked out of heaven Mocking your word, Father. He said, I want to testify that your love makes me feel like I've been locked out of heaven. Father, we know that they've been raised on words, Father, that have taken them away from you instead of bringing them closer to you. And, Father, we just pray that the, the churches that remain, that they will stand fast and strong in your word, Father. We pray for each and every pastor and each and every congregation, Lord, that is going forward. And distributing your word with love and affection and compassion. But in the real sense of your word, Father. Not watering it down. Not not making it smaller than it is, Father. But telling the truth as it was given to them. Being good stewards of what we've been given. And Father, as we come this evening, we just ask your healing on any afflicted in our, amongst us, Father. We ask you, Father, to take care of the needs that you know that exist, Father. We ask for those our members that are in hospitals, Father. And we especially ask for strength, Lord, for those who are 
are being caregivers for, for their elderly parents and for their siblings, their extended family, Lord. Just strengthen them, Lord, because that's an incredibly hard duty, Lord. We lift up our single mothers, Father, as they go forward and do the tasks that they do, Father. And we just ask that you just strengthen them and fortify them, Father, and give them the energy to perform the living tasks that they've been given. And, Father, we just ask your Holy Spirit on our pastor, Lord, and on our speaker, Lord, as he comes and delivers his testimony, Lord. And we just thank you for the mercy that you gave in Columbus's life, Father. We thank you that you brought him from Fargo, Lord, to this location, Father. We just thank you for strengthening him in your word, and we thank you for his testimony. Lord, just put your Holy Spirit on our pastor, Lord, as he comes before us. Lord, we thank you for our praise team and just endow and imbue them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, good evening once again. Um, Last night was... Good evening. Yeah. Last night we was uh, talking about help. The night before it was dream. The dreams he was speaking of was godly dreams. And I have to say that we don't want to get the godly dream mixed up with the pork chop dreams. <laughs> the slab of rib dreams that you eat late at night. And you start dreaming. We don't want that. So the way you can tell the difference is that the dream that you are dreaming benefits you and a multitude of others. Now you know it's a godly dream. And soon following that, you'll get a vision. Now you know you're working on the right dream. So tonight, the word is about grace. God's grace. A lot of us take it for granted. A lot of us have fallen from God's grace. But there is a way back. So hopefully you uh, will learn that tonight. And our scripture is about grace. And Mark, would you come forward and uh, do the scripture for us? Younger brother. Hey, 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 hey. Y'all don't know about ribs, y'all. No, no, no. I don't, I don't eat the ribs. I eat the greens, though. <laughs> Our scripture is uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 10, uh, and I'm reading out of the NIV. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and sealed us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, thank you, there, Mark. Let's bow heads in a short prayer. Father, we come before you this evening with a arm of heart, giving you thanks for these words, thanks for the scripture. We ask you, Lord, to write these scriptures up on our hearts, where it will remain with us until the end of time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So now we're going to have Akron Alliance praise team to come forward. Some of you sitting everywhere. You ain't behind the curtain like you normally is. So they'll be jumping up everywhere. Akron praise team. And one of these days, Brother Vic, you're going to answer my other song. One day. Take me to the king. Go ahead, over. Good evening, Akron Alliance. How's everyone this evening? I was telling pastors we were got up here and putting up the rolling up the back. A lady rolled by and she goes. How much longer are you guys going to be here? Uh, today's the last day. She said, well, I only thought it was one day. No. It started Saturday and it ends today. And her next question to me was, when are we doing it again? <laughs> so, you know, y'all making enough noise that somebody is hearing you in the neighborhood. And we've touched somebody that they want to know when we going to do it again. So y'all better pray about that because I know pastor got it already on the schedule. He just ain't told y'all yet. Because he does that to me all the time. But that's all right. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And we're going to sing praises to him this evening. Would you stand, please? Yeah. Lord, I love you. Hear these praises from a grateful heart. Each time I sing you, the praise. I love you so much. Jesus.
Before Columbus come, I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to ask you this question. Have this been a blessing to you? Have you uh, been able to learn or get a nugget from it? Or what have it, uh, What kind of thoughts have you had about it? Uh, uh, just talk to me for a moment. Just stand up and just give a word of testimony. Just going to do a few moments before Columbus come. If, if this has meant something to you or if it's given you something to think about, just share it with us. All right. Amen. All right. Wonderful job. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? This has been a blessing for me because um, as a child growing up, we did this often. And this being 1,300 miles away from where I originally got my Christian foundation at, it's just been a, a, a refreshing reminder of, of truly the journey that God has brought me from, where the foundation rooted at, and where I got off track. And, and you know, this was just a Amen. reminder that God keeps us, even when we don't know how to keep ourselves, we're too foolish to keep trying to think about more. And this just was a, a reminder that I, I, I would be the first one to sign up for us to do this. Amen.
song I praise God it was his grace and it was his mercy that got me through to bring everybody up to speed because a couple people said they weren't here and that they wanted to bring up to speed um, I recommitted my life back to Christ in the fall Um, it was around September Um, after recommitting my life back to Christ two days later I was laid off from my job Um, a week after that my wife asked me for a divorce and three days after that she told me she wanted me to move out I moved in with my cousin for a couple weeks, two weeks, and then I moved to Fargo, North Dakota. I felt the Lord was was calling me there, so I moved to Fargo, North Dakota, and I got established in a shelter that was a godly shelter. The shelter was called the New Life Center. A lot of people that followed me on Facebook, they're now members of the New Life Centers also. But at that New Life Center was where I got my fresh start and my new beginning. Um, That was where I had first had a Bible study where... I kind of geared it toward the people around me, but God more or less kind of carved it out for me. I was aiming it toward people that I felt weren't living the way they should be living, and God shined that light on my heart and my heart towards him. And through that, that's when I first decided to let Christ live his life in me and believe that he would do it. And that's the key. I mean, we say it and... You know, as Christians, we, we say, you know, he, he's living in my heart. But you have to actually believe that he is living in your heart and that he is helping you make the decisions on a daily basis. And my life has been different ever since. That next morning after that Bible study that I cried and the teacher, the, I'm still friends with uh, the Bible school teacher because he, he was happy that I had gotten a breakthrough. And the next morning is when he offered me the job at the shelter. The job paid $35,000 a year, and I was the outreach coordinator. I was over Facebook, Twitter, and the blog, and I did the Bible study every day. Um, I did all the meet and greets where you grip and grin. That's what we call when you accept the check. I did all the, the PR for the, the shelter, and the Lord had me there for about 10 months. And I praise the Lord because after that 10 months, he had came to me and he's like, Columbus, you know, the Lord is moving in a different direction. And, you know, the money's not here and, you know, we're going to have to do away with your job. And at first I was a little resentful. But then the Lord let me know that you need courage to follow God's will. And sometimes God's will isn't exactly what we want. And while I'm looking on the outside, the Lord is working on the inside. And sometimes we think that inside don't need no fixing. But that's exactly where the, where the fixing needs to start. So after being laid off, I was a little distressed, but my dad came into town. He stayed with me a week. And I have a 10-year-old son, 
And I'd already had him set up for daycare. I had him set up for daycare. It was going to be $190 a week. But because I was laid off now, I spent one solid month with my son. We had a month-long slumber party. So through all that, God brought me back here. He's got me a job that I'm making more money than I was before I left. He's establishing me. And I praise the Lord for Pastor Brown's message because to see God's dream and to have that vision and to go after it, I just praise the Lord for the courage that he's going to give me to follow as well. So I'm excited about coming back here to Akron Alliance Fellowship. I tried a couple churches, and I was church hopping. And then I came here, and I listened to Pastor Brown, and it seemed like he was pointing at me. (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but I'm telling you, he was preaching right to me. I had my Bible and my pen up because I was writing it down. And I praise the Lord that the word is being preached here. And, and I praise the Lord that it took me 40 years to finally realize that God wanted to live his life through me. And all I had to do is believe that he would do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well... We started with that area of a dream. And when you have a fresh start, dream. Let the nightmares go. (laughs) But begin to dream anew. And as you begin to run after your dream, start praying, Lord, I'm going to need help along the way. Just think about it. As Paul started, God sent him a Barnabas to help him. We always need somebody to help. Peter had a mark. We need the help. But ultimately, we ought to come to a place to realize that God has a purpose in allowing me to experience His grace. God has a purpose in allowing me to experience His saving grace. God has a purpose. And it's much deeper than what you and I can ever begin to imagine. Let's pray. Father, we are people, Lord, from different walks of life. We've been broken. We've been bruised. We've been hurt. We are a people, Lord, of many different varieties, oh God, of pain and suffering. But, Lord, we're so thankful that you are the powder and we are the clay and Lord you're able oh God to place that blood of Christ upon us to begin to and your grace oh God is unexplainable your grace is far more than we could ever begin to imagine But Lord, we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would open your word tonight to us and we might have ears to hear and we might get a glimpse of this grace. 
this amazing grace that can only come from a living God. Lord, minister to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God's grace has a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify Him in the end result. It's not about what we're going through in the moment. It's about God's end results of what we're going to be with Him. It's His grace. Some men one day were discussing this issue about some of the great themes in religion and so forth. But what made Christianity stand out above all these others? What was it? Some, the incarnation. Others spoke about the resurrection. And this man, C.S. Lewis, stepped into the room and they asked him the same question. What makes Christianity so unique or above all the other religions? And he simply said, that's easy. Grace. 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 God's unmerited favor. Grace. God's love, free of charge, comes to us freely through grace. Can't earn it. It just comes freely. And because of God's grace, there's nothing we can do to cause Him to love us more or to love us less. He loves us because of His grace. And He gives it to us freely. God allows, if you think about it, He allows it to rain on the just and the unjust. He allows His Son to shine on the just and the unjust. God's grace. Gordon MacDonald says, You need not to be a Christian to build a house, to feed the hungry, or even heal the sick. The world can do almost anything as well as the church in those areas. But the world cannot offer something that the church alone And you and I alone have the ability to offer to others. And that is the grace of God. The grace of God. Now, put yourself in the courtroom with me. We're in the courtroom. And the lawyer is advising you. Throw yourself on the mercy of the court. And the court can have mercy on you. Just think about it. The court can have mercy on you. But it demonstrates the limitations of man. Because I never heard a judge say, I'm going to give you grace. But he can extend mercy. Because if he's going to extend grace, somebody else has to take your place for your crime. Somebody else has to take your punishment. 
And the judge certainly isn't going to do it. None of the jury's going to do it. None of the bystanders out there sitting and watching you are going to do it. But grace allowed Jesus Christ to take our sentence. Grace allowed Jesus Christ to take our punishment. Grace allowed God to act in our lives. As far as the court can go, they can give mercy, but they can't give grace. And the only one that can give grace is the living God. The living God. In 2 Timothy 1.9 Have your Bibles turned there with me. Now we're going to be looking a little bit about what does this grace do in the believer's life? Because we need to understand that God has a purpose for this grace. And that you and I need to recognize that God is working in our lives. God's working. If you're saved, and you're really trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, He's working in your life. And He's working through grace. He's working through grace. He says, in that verse 9, Who have saved us and called us to a holy life? Who have saved us and called us to a holy life? Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own what? His own purpose. His own purpose and grace. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus. Now catch this. Before the beginning of time, God knew that we were going to need his what? His grace. And in all His wisdom and all His knowledge, before the beginning of time, when God even began to think about this thing called man, before man was ever created, God knew we were going to need His grace because He recognized what we were going to be if He gave us free will. A will to either choose Him or reject Him. A will even after we choose Him. To be obedient to him or not to be obedient to him. And God knew that we were going to need grace all the way through. He saved us. He called us. He saved us and he called us. It's like a child... That a parent may say, boy, oh boy, all the trouble that you've given me, all these years I've had to put up with this and with that. God knew what he was going to have to put up with, with me and with you. And the only way God puts up with us is called grace. Is called grace that He extends to us His unmerited favor. Not that He has to, not that anybody's twisting him, His arm, making Him do it, 
But he extends to us a favor that we really don't deserve. He extends it to us in order that he might work with us. And he says he saved us by his grace in Titus 11. In Titus 2.11 he says he saved us by his grace through Christ Jesus. We're saved. And there's a purpose for this grace. 1 Peter 5.10 Go over to it. Because God's grace has a purpose in our life. And you and I need to catch it and we need to begin to live it out. And we need to understand that God wants us to live out our lives in His grace. So in 1 Peter 5.10, He gives us a little glimpse of the purpose for this grace. And He comes back He says, Boy, and the God of all grace, it describes Him. The God of what? All grace. An abundance of grace. That is there for you and I. A well of grace. That is there. The God of all grace. He says. Who called you. To his eternal glory. What's his purpose? That you and I. Will one day be with him. Where at? In his eternal glory. How many of you know that song, I'm marching to Zion? Beautiful, beautiful Zion. That we're called to His eternal glory. We're called to be a holy people. We're called to be a separate people. We are called to be His treasure in earthly jars. We're called by His grace to serve Him. And to serve others. We're called. And he tells us. He called you to his eternal glory. In Christ. After you have suffered a little while. The book of Peter is about suffering. It's about the saints going through. Some rough times. Some hard times. It's about you and I at times. Suffering. And sometimes. We suffer even for our righteousness sake. Sometimes we can do right and yet we still suffer. Sometimes we can do the right thing and yet people still think ill about it. Sometimes we can be doing But God's grace is there that we might be able to perform and to do. His grace is there. He said, you're going to suffer for a little while. But now, the purpose of His grace. When you catch what He's going to say. About his purpose now. While we're here. On earth. He says. You'll suffer a little while. Will himself restore you. God says. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to cause you to stand aright. I'm going to be the one who sets you up. I'm going to be the one who. Fix everything for you. I'm going to be the one who guides you. I'm going to be the one. He says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. I don't know where you've been in life. I don't know the hurts you've gone through. I don't know the ups and downs that you have. But if you will allow God through His grace 
to restore you. To restore you. To set you right. To mend whatever's been broken. To fix whatever's been hurt. God's able to do it. So he says, by his grace, he's going to restore. And then he goes on a little further. He says, you and make you strong. Strong. Because, see, to live a Christian life is not for the weak. It is not for the weak to, to live a Christian life. A Christian has to be strong. One of our professors used to tell us, even as pastors, if you're going to go in this thing called pastoring, you want to have the skin of a rhinoceros, but yet the heart of a child. You've got to have some tough skin on if you're going to be a Christian. But you always got to have the heart of a child. It's not easy being a Christian. And he says, I'm going to make you strong. And then he goes on, he says, and... Make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That you're not going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You're going to be able to stand, even when Satan takes his fiery darts to fire at you. That you're going to be stand, girded with the armor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're going to be girded, and you're going to be able to stand. You won't have to run. You just got to stand there. Stand there in the name of Jesus. You stand. And you stand firm. You stand firm. And he says, I'm going to enable you to stand. That's the grace of God that restores me. That's the grace of God that strengthens me and causes me to be strong when the storms of life come. It is the grace of God that causes me to be steadfast unmovable, yet always abounding in the things of the Lord. That is the grace of God. Because in the flesh, I'll take off running. But it is the grace of God that causes us to stand. Amen? And what we need to understand, when God has restored, and when God has strengthened and when God has you where you're standing for him and you're not moving off his scripture God says that I'm ready now to make you and through his grace he makes us ministers to others that we might extend his grace that we might extend his grace to others going again into 1 Peter chapter 4 and I, I want you to look at Verse 10 with me. Look what he says. Each one, each one should use whatever gift he has received to do what? To serve others or to minister to others. You don't need a REV behind your name to serve or to minister. You don't need the word pastor to minister. You don't need reverence. You don't need a degree. You don't need a lot of things that we try to say people have need of. What we have need of is simply this. A heart for God. A study of God's word. Allowing God to use us. 
by simply saying, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord. And allow God's grace to establish us. And he says, I'm going to use you to minister. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's what? Grace. God's unmerited favor. Always remember, boy, God had favor upon you. God brought you out of the mire clay. God brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God restored you. Never think that you're so much better than somebody else that God won't use you because God used somebody else to touch your life and help to restore you, to build you up, to help you to stand. And God says, now... You take that same grace that I've used with you and you extend it to another. You extend it to another. You minister His grace, His various grace. You, you allow yourself to be used of God because God from the very day He saved you by His grace, He had a purpose for you. One, yes, His eternal glory to be with Him. Secondly, to serve. To serve. Not only him, but to serve others. And to extend his grace. Understand this. It's only the people of God who can extend the grace of God. The heathen, the children of Satan, the children of this world, they know nothing about grace until they themselves receive that grace. Accept that grace and learn how to live in that grace. Now they're able to begin to minister through grace. Totally different. God calls us with a purpose to save us by his grace, but then to use us for his glory. To use us for his glory. We are to minister of God's grace. Why? Because in Romans 5, 2, it says we have access to that grace through Jesus Christ. It's not withheld from us. Understand this, because you've been saved and because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have an access to that grace of God. Everybody don't have that. Everybody doesn't have that. But you have that privilege of using the grace of God. You have that privilege to minister to others through the grace of God. You have that privilege of being favored by God in the work that you're performing, knowing that the grace of God is there to assist you in ministering to someone else. Knowing that. In Romans 12, 6, it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And we need to understand that those different gifts are there because the grace of God has allowed us, each one of us, to be used differently. Some of us are going to be encouragers. That's by the grace of God. Some of us are going to be helpers. We help other people. That's by the grace of God. It is by the grace of God. 
And remember this, that the scripture called even one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace. Why? He takes the things of God, who is the teacher of the word. He is the one then who implements these things into our life, that we might minister to other people. He is called the Spirit of grace. The Spirit of grace. He takes God's grace And he teaches us how to extend it to others as we minister to them. How are we going to be able to do what God is asking of us? The spirit who lives in us, for the scripture tells us, if we have not the spirit of God, we're what? We're none of his. But it is the spirit of God that enables you and I to administer the grace of God to others. And we have to come to that place that we recognize that God saved us for that purpose. He saved us for that divine purpose that we might administer grace to others. He calls us to grow. And by growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Second Peter 3.18, he tells us to grow in that grace to grow in that knowledge of him. To grow. Now, turn over to St. John with me. Chapter 1, verse 17. Because, before we go to Acts 20, but I, I, I want to hook this together because I love the way sometimes the Holy Spirit put words in Scripture. He'll put one word before another. And oftentimes there's a purpose that that word precedes the other one. St. John one seventeen, Because oftentimes when we're reading, we're reading so fast that we need to just slow up and give thought to it. Why the author, the Holy Spirit... Put these words in this order. And he says in that verse 17, he says, For the law was given through Moses. Now now listen, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Look what he put first, grace. Understand this. It's God's favor on your life to teach you his truth God had to give you grace in order for you to even begin to understand his word his truth grace and truth God didn't have to do it God didn't have to give you his word he didn't have to give us A living word. But he chose to do it. So he preempts it with. This is my grace. That I'm willing to explain to you. How to live this Christian life. I'm willing to explain to you. How to live under grace. For Paul calls this. The gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. And God says. I don't have to do this, but by grace, I'm going to teach you my word. And I'm going to give you a teacher called the Holy Spirit. 
And my word's going to come through my son, Jesus Christ. Not that you deserve it. Not that you've earned it. But because I desire to educate you in the ways of your God. And that you might live holy as I am holy. And he begins to teach his people. But he says grace and truth. Not truth and then grace. But grace has to proceed all the work that God will ever do. It's God's grace that proceeds it. And then truth comes. In Acts chapter 20, go to Acts 20, go to verse 32 with me. Because he tells us a little bit more about this grace. He says, and this is Paul speaking. But understand, Paul knows the power of this grace. Paul knows what this grace is capable of performing and this grace is able to do. Paul knows that. So in 32 he says, now I commit you to God. And to the word of his what? Grace. The gospel of grace. I commit you to his word. Of his grace. Now listen to what it's able to do. Which can build you up. Which can build you up. God has a purpose in his grace. His grace is to build us up. His grace is to teach us. His grace. His purpose. Is that we would live holy and know how to live before him. Being the just God that He is. God knew He could not hold us accountable unless He also first taught us. Now you can reject, and the Word says, God now winks at ignorance. You can foolishly reject His Word. And God can hold you accountable because at least God has made it what? Known. He's made it known. And he says, boy, I commend you to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you a what? An inheritance. An inheritance among all those who are sanctified, among all the saints. We all have an inheritance. How are you using that inheritance? How are you spending your inheritance? What are you doing with your inheritance? Because you have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. You've been given riches untold. But the question is, how are you spending it? How are you using it? And he says, that grace can build you up. But go back up into verse 24 with me. And listen to Paul here, because Paul somewhat defines this gospel and what it all is. And remember he said grace and truth, and remember that the truth is God's word. So in verse 24 he said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task, 
the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's what? Grace. The gospel of God's grace. We are testifying to the gospel of God's grace. God don't, doesn't have to save one person, but the gospel. It is the gospel of God's grace unto men. It is the gospel of God's grace. Catch that. Don't lose it. It's His Word. And He gives it by grace. How can we somewhat illustrate God's grace? Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 6 with me. This is taking place just before the flood and what God has seen. He's seen man and all of his sin, all of his evil desires and all of his foolishness. And God said that all men were corrupt. All men were evil. And it said it grieved his heart. But then in that verse 8 it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor or grace in some translations. And remember about grace? It was extended before time ever what? Began. So we're seeing even a Noah reaping the grace of God. Now stay now stay with me. Because when you hit in the verse 9, it says, This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. That does not mean that Noah was without sin. Because it really makes it very clear. Yes, he was an exceptional individual for the time in which he lived. For the generation in which he lived in. And it says that Noah obeyed God. He had a heart for God. But Noah was not without sin. Here is the grace of God now. I don't have a number of how many people were living on earth. And I'm going to go out on a limb here a little bit. There may have been a few others like Noah. But for some reason, and this is God's grace now, God said, Noah, you're the one that I'm going to start the human race with all over again. You're the one. You're the one. And there was only eight people who got on that ark basically because of Noah. And he said, Noah, you're the one. Not that Noah was somebody special. Not that Noah was some great individual. Noah 
was an individual who knew sin, and most likely sin, but yet he still had a heart for God. Can you identify with that? And God said, Noah, you. That's God's favor. When God picks who? You. You. That's God's grace at work. Because He chose you. He singled you out among millions of people and said, you. And God has a right I need a little help every now and then. And he said, you. That's God's grace. Because, see, God could have wiped Noah away with all the rest. And what he did in the very beginning, he could have took a little dirt, formed a body, and breathed life into it all over again and start all over. But he didn't do that. It says that Noah found favor with God. Noah found favor, grace with God. And whenever you have grace and the grace of God is upon you, it is because God has chosen you. 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 One more area now we're going to look at in closing. To see God in His grace. And sometime in this parable, we don't see this as something of grace. But in this parable, what is extended is God's grace. And God is the one who makes the choice. He's the one who says, okay, this is what we're going to give out. This is what you're going to have. So you're like the spiritual gift. I should not be envious or jealous of your spiritual gift. You shouldn't be envious or jealous of mine or whatever it is or whatever task God has you do and whatever task He has me do. We should never be envious or jealous for that is the grace of God. Boy, if God says sweep the floor in the church and He chooses me to do that, Praise God. Because we work as unto who? Unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. Turn me to Matthew 20. And in this parable, this individual goes out a couple of times during the day and he hires people to go in to his vineyard and to work. And some of the ones, they started at the break of sun. They went to work. Others came in at the very last hour and was going to work. And sometimes we forget God has the right to extend His grace at whatever measure to each and every one of us. That's his right. So we come down in verse 9. Just to cut it a little short. He said. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour. Came and each received a denarius. So when those came. Who were hired first. They expected to receive more. But each one of them. Also received a denarius. When they received it. 
they begin to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired and worked only one hour, they said, And you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Don't you, didn't you agree to work for a Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who, has, who was hired last the same as I gave you. Now catch this. Verse 15. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because the grace of God may seem like it's more upon another than it is upon you? Are you envious because God has made us somewhat equal? Because when we stand at the cross, we are all what? Yeah. And it's only by God's grace. And He extends His grace at His measure to whoever He so desires. He does it. Oh... Grace, grace. And the psalm says, God's grace. And he freely gives it as he so desires. He measures out his grace to us. And he gives us his grace. And the more we minister to others, more likely the more grace he gives unto us. The more we serve Him, the more grace He extends to us. For He is the one who is in control of His grace. And doesn't He have the right to extend His grace and His salvation to whoever He may choose? His grace, His purpose. His grace, His purpose. His grace is to build you up. His grace is to strengthen you. His grace is to cause you to stand firm and steadfast. His grace, His purpose for His glory that you might spend eternity with Him in His glory. Catch it? Catch it? Didn't have to do it. But he did it. His grace. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your grace. And that, Lord, you choose us, O God, that we might receive your grace. For we have not chosen you, but you have chosen us. And more than that, O God, you have extended grace unto us, your merited favor into our lives, that we might live the type of lives, O God, that you have ordained for us to live. And we live, Lord, by your grace. We live in your grace. 
It is your favor, O oh God, that causes us to stand. It is your favor, O oh God, that causes us to run in this life that we call the Christian life and to live it in a holiness and a purity. And Lord, we recognize, Lord, we have our faults, we have our sins. But Lord, we thank you for your grace that covers a multitude of sins. We thank you for that love that you grant unto us. And Father, we pray that, Lord, as we leave from this place, it will be a fresh start for some of us. It will be a new beginning for us. It will give us the ability, O God, to dream and to understand that, Lord, as we dream our dreams, we're going to need people that you will place around us to help us, O God. But we also know, Lord, that it is your grace that is working in us for your purpose and for your glory. Father, thank you. May you continue to work. And may we continue to be a people who are willing to say, Yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Help us to surrender. As the songwriter penned, I surrender all. Help us, Lord, to surrender it all to you. That we would not, oh God, in any way diminish your grace but that your grace might shine through us. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And extend grace unto them, because God has extended it to you. Amen. Amen. Where's Vic? Vic, 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 Vic. Oh, he wouldn't see his dad already. Oh, great. Come on up here. You got it. You got to lead us in something. Amen. testimony to the community. I thank you for all who have worked and just put things up and helped take things down. Thank you for serving the Lord and being a witness for him.